This episode is brought to you by Happy Mess. Happy Mess? The kids' art place? Yeah, they do art classes and sensory play and after-school programs and in-school classes and birthday parties and camps. And adult events. Buy tickets to our next paint night or book your own for your next occasion or staff party. Check it out at www.happymess.net. What's www? World Wide Web. This episode is brought to you by ServiceMaster Sea to Sky. A home is more than just a house and an office is more than just a place to work. ServiceMaster is here to offer home and business services when you need them the most. ServiceMaster handles water, flood, fire, and reconstruction services. We take on jobs big and small. There's no project we haven't seen before. ServiceMaster, the complete customer experience. Call us at 604-938-0822 or on the web, smctosky.com. That's smctosky.com. ServiceMaster Sea to Sky, restoring peace of mind. This is the Sea to Sky podcast, weaving through the issues in Sea to Sky country. Welcome back to another episode of the Sea to Sky podcast, 2022 Squamish Municipal Election. In the pod shed today, we have none other than Deanna Lewis, our first mayoral candidate. <laughs> it's so nice to have you here, Deanna. Thank for 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 being prompt and and ahead of us. Uh, and welcome to the pod shed. Thank I wonder you. if that is a tactic to be the first candidate to be interviewed. You know, to get your your thing out there first, or do you wait to see that what everybody else wants to hear first? Before I you think get, I don't you, know. Know, you know. I like if you're going to be a mayoral candidate lead don't follow exactly yes, so you welcome go. thank you for having me today i was quite excited to come here it's my first podcast so deanna you we were talking before we, we kicked the show off you you have an ancestral name what's your ancestral name yes it's cockleith which means a cannibal woman the big woman from the mountains oh, i love it and are we gonna see that on the ballot yes we are and i'm so honored for that um when they asked if we could have a nickname or another name that we go by I said a lot of people only know me as Cockleith, as a teacher, as a politician with my Squamish nation. And in ceremony, I'm only called Cockleith. And so I'm really honored. So when I got to put that on the ballot, so it's going to say Deanna Cockleith Lewis on the ballot. And I really thought about my grandfather, the late Norman Lewis, when I put that ballot on. Because there was a time when our Indigenous people weren't even allowed to vote. And to know that my ancestral name's on that ballot, it just kind of came full circle, especially in the time we are when we're talking about truth and reconciliation and things, to know that um, my ancestral name matters and it means something, especially in our community. And all up and down the coast of British Columbia, there's a name. It's one of our oldest legends along the coast of British Columbia. And when I say I'm Cockleith, they say you're Squamish. Not only that, but female presence, the only female running for the mayoral candidacy, which is awesome. But also just the example you're setting for, for young ladies out there. So congrats on you and, and good luck on your run. Oh, Sam, thank you. Let's start off. Why have you decided to run for, for Mayor of Squamish? Let's just start big and broad, you know, a little bit of your platform. Why why seek for election as mayor for Squamish? Yes, thanks for asking that question. Um, it's a very important one. I'm Squamish Nation. I've lived here my whole life. My people have been here since time immemorial. I've been very active in our community my whole life through sports, through uh, education, through uh, politics with our Squamish Nation. And I've been very active in our community on lots of different events. I do a lot of land acknowledgments um, at different sporting events and ceremonies throughout Squamish. 
And to be, have a voice at, at this table is so important uh, to be seen and heard. I'm doing this for my children to show that, you know, we, we need to start seeing our faces at, at every table. And we can't wait for anyone else to do that. And I'm trying to set an example for my own daughters to know that if they have a dream, they should follow them. And uh, I was trained my whole life to have a voice. My grandfather raised me as such to be a speaker for my family. And so it just carried on through through my life, through my work. And it didn't matter what job I did. I've been doing the same work. And it's and now it's at this higher level. And I just feel so honored to be able to be myself every day and teach people with kindness and compassion and know that if you care about something, you need to say something and, and stand up. The issues that we've had in Squamish have always been our issues here. How do we live, work, and play here? And we all love this beautiful place. And I really want to create a healthy dialogue for... I, I'm about people. I don't like to say that I'm a politician because I'm about people. And I really value that. It's about connections and getting the right people in the room to talk and being a node. It's knowing people that know people that need to be in the room to have healthy dialogue. And we can tackle any issue that we have. And, you know, we're not always going to see things eye to eye. But I know that, you know, when we get, you know, when we teach with education and understanding, we can make some things happen. I agree. I mean, having diversity of both opinion and otherwise, uh, gender, it leads to healthy debate. And when there's healthy debate, good things come from that. So, exactly, I would agree. So you already served time on Squamish Council, correct? Yes, I have. I guess this is experience you can lean into this job. So I did a four-year term uh, with the Squamish Nation. Uh, It just ended this past year. Hasn't been a year yet. On council, we did a lot. We changed a lot of things. We had a very new council. They were all under 40. And um, it was very amazing to be able to fix a lot of things because we've had systems in place for decades. And so we put a lot of things like financial bylaws in effect. We made a housing society. We made an economic development corp. These things are huge projects. We put all our business under one umbrella called the Inchikai Board. And so all our businesses, our real estate, it went under that one umbrella. And I I was really honored to be, actually sit on the acting board to create the economic development corp. And uh, with that, uh, we have projects like like the Sanaa Kitsilano deal. And we're talking about billion dollar deals every day. So we took our business out of our politics and our politics from our membership. And, and everything we said, how does this benefit our membership on every decision that we made? And so throughout uh, that four year term, we successfully, uh, you know, checked off a lot of boxes with the housing authority. We wanted to house all our members in the next 10 years. And we've, we've been tackling now through affordable housing, you know, 30% below market value rentals and to um, not only have single detached homes, we've been moving up into duplexes, fourplexes, and we're actually building out a 94 house housing unit in Capilano and 23 units here in Squamish Valley. And this is for a lot of our young people. And so we, you know, we really kind of looked at all the demographics of how do we house our people? How do we get, keep them home? And uh, and so we, you know, it was so amazing to be able to say that we knew this was our number one issue. So we filled up that department. We beefed that the whole department up and made our housing society. And so it's just like even at Sanok, we had 200 units that's going to be for Squamish Nation members. And I'm from Sanok. My family's from there. And uh, my my thing for my my family, my community is saying, welcome home. We haven't lived there in over 100 years, and we're going to be again. So I'm very excited. That project, they just 
they just said, you know, broke ground last week. So I'm really excited about that. Well, that's great. I mean, it, it looks like you you obviously have a, have a firm handle on, on governance. We've talked to this, Marcus, a little bit about this, about putting, you know, rubber to the road and in, in, in actually planning things, but but obviously executing on them too as well. And a lot of things you talked about just now talk, uh, you know, covers a lot of the main issues we're looking at in Squamish. We're looking at housing issues. We're looking at diversification of the economy. We're looking at a lot of different things. Um, you know, this is the questions I think are most of the people are looking for answered. And these are the questions we're putting to the candidates. So since you've touched on a lot of these issues and you've also tackled them uh, in, with the Squamish Nation, how are you going to try and bring that experience to Squamish? How do you foresee yourself making that transition? Yeah, thanks. Uh, when I went to the orientation for uh, the candidate at the municipality, um, we actually, I got to see all the roles and responsibilities of council and mayor. And it look, it literally looked like it mirrored our governance from the Squamish Nation. And so people did ask me, how come I didn't run for council first and not mayor, you know, mayor first? And I said, because I did four years of my council for my nation. And I felt like it was way harder because, you know, when you're getting calls, it's your auntie on the other line. Like, and so it's like, we have amazing apartment uh, departments for, for the municipality. And so we have clear directions where we can go. And it just felt comfort in knowing that because our government roles and responsibility, ro- Robert's rules about going to meetings, being prepared for meetings. I have a well, I love reading. I'm always, I can't say I'm an expert on all topics because I'm you're going to ask me some of them um, and I'm not going to know all of them. But you know what I do? I'm a teacher. That's my background. And so I like to do research. I like to find out what's happening and the OCP, all the different things and the VL lands and I'll research it and I'll make sure that I make a, an educated decision. And so, you know, I, that's all about accountability. And I took that very seriously when I was on my Squamish Nation Council. And so I want to bring that same, you know, vision and ideas to to our council in Squamish here. But not everything aligns like 100%. No, doesn't align. But at the same time, it's about being able to lead and it's about being able to have healthy dialogue. And because I've lived here my whole life, I do know the issues and I do have biases, but I will be able to be able to portray and show the visions that I have seen and experienced as a resident here my whole life. And for our community members that all live here, I'm talking about all the people I grew up with my whole life. I went to Manquam Elementary School with, Don Ross and Howe Sound, and then uh, everyone I played sports in school with like I went you know all our environmental people I'm a backcountry and my name means the big woman from the mountains I'm a trained mountain guide I I, you know I really wanted to work with our members and when I was on Squamish Council I met with the district council and mayor once a month and had meetings and we talked about service agreements we talked about how to have more Squamish Nation involvement in a lot of projects and how we could actually partnership on a lot of projects as well and some of our issues are the same issues that the municipality has so I know that I can bring a different lens but also be able to give it that value of that small town feel of Squamish and what it was like I've seen the vision where we could be going and I know what we need to be how we can kind of go in that canoe together for per se what you're talking about vision and and small town Squamish Squamish doesn't feel so small town anymore and that seems to be one of the biggest issues everyone's discussing is densification that's the big one like we're building like crazy I think they just approved a building complex on third avenue that's just gonna be massive obviously parking is an issue so i mean what what is your view on the densification do we keep densifying do we need a parkade uh how we're going to handle the access because the one access obviously is not good enough i mean these these are the big issues that people are talking about how how are you going to tackle that problem 
Yeah, thanks. And again, it's about getting the right people in the room to have these healthy conversations. I do think we should have a parkade. We have to be realistic to the fact that we are so spread out in Squamish. It's not just a little bike ride down the street. And I've done it. I used to work at the Squamish Volunteer Center. And then I had a bike all the way up to the Canadian Outback rafting company in the same day. And I would do both jobs. And it was not easy. And even now, like, you know, when we have a lot of amazing events that's happening, like the wind festivals and things like that. And if you want parking and the street markets going on, you know, you're parking, you know, by, you know, in the Denfield area or something and walking into town because you, you won't be able to drive in there or you won't find parking. So I did say to the chief newspaper that I did, I, you know, talked about a parkade. <laughs> I was like, that'd be great. But also uh, we have to have other options. I actually just went to a, a big uh, seminar at SFU in Vancouver and Andrea Reimer was there and she talked, she had a lady from Austria, from Vienna, and I've been there. And they talked about reimagining our cities. And I would love people to look this up because it talks about these big cities and you see all this different housing developments. And you see there's no cars, there's green spaces everywhere, there's streets just for kids to walk to school. There's actually safe streets for women to walk and feel safe. And this, these cities are way bigger than Squamish. And you would look and you would, and the housing are beautifully architect homes. So we need to change the minds of our developers. And so, and, and even when people are living side by side in the same complex, there's mixed use someone's paying you know high rents there's people that are doing social housing or are 30 percent below market value and you would never know who's paying what but they all live there and there's pools on rooftops and and then you can get a car unload your things and move and then and have to move it but it's a quiet healthy you know your carbon footbar is next to none and it was so beautiful and the kicker what I heard her say was if we can do it in Vienna we can do this anywhere and it's just changing our perspectives on business and and our economic development and our developers and we can do it you know and it's just thinking outside that box there's so many amazing projects that are happening around the world and I think Squamish could be leading the way in a lot because we have a huge environmental group here they're amazing in their own rights and we know that we can work together and we and you know we are growing we are. And so we have to prepare for that. And how do we, you know, keep it green and how do we have it so everybody's happy? That is a big problem. Like cities are designed around the vehicle. Any, any cities were designed, were designed around how to get your car in there with parking spaces and highways and overpasses and stuff like that. And the issue today, obviously, is, you know, you have one apartment where three people live in it and each of them work in Vancouver and all of them need a car. And there's only one space per apartment. And it's just, do we keep densifying or do we do we expand elsewhere? You just said it was a big sprawl. So do we keep building at the rate we're building or do we take a little bit of a hiatus? Uh, so I, I talked about this. I, people have been talking about a hiatus, but I think things are in, in gradual you know in different areas like um, being able to know that we need that gentle densification in some areas and then we can sprawl out to some other areas but that's again that's like planning our neighborhoods defining them defining boundaries and actually coming up with some real plans so uh, that we can accommodate and please people but also be able to respect some of that old kind of feel that we can try to keep something that that is ours right and I think about our own communities well in Squamish how do we keep them authentic and and you know more rural than anything we're all gardeners i'm not the best gardener but you know i'd love to be able to do more community gardens and stuff like that and it's just about really defining those neighborhoods and and working with uh developers and our planning teams so we need to get more out of developers 
We, you know, we do have to get something out. Like you know, that. it's really knowing who your developers are. <laughs> it is about knowing your developers and having those relationships. And we could learn a lot from the Enterkai board because they have a four pillar mark. And people that work with them, developers, I was just at a, another amazing meeting. It was actually the same day as I went to reimagine in our cities. But Inchikai and the MST board, that's the Musqueam, Slaywatooth, and Squamish boards. And, that you know, Squamish and we have the we are the largest landowners. And people, you know, developers are saying, oh, this is a good project. But they are actually benefiting from learning from these, from, from our nations. And about how to do, you know, having those good relationships. And knowing that you're putting back into infrastructure and I can talk about the Chikai fan deal we need a barrier put in place and so we're saying how it will protect all of Chiacomas Brackendale our schools our graveyards that are there the highway and it's just about properly planning this out because it's not about if it's when that barrier goes and the in the Brome Ridge and so we need to make sure that we have these things put in place and that development alone will protect and that's will get in that barrier in place first and then all of Brackendale will be protected and so it's about really having those good relationships with with our developers we talk about developers there's constant constantly talk about community amenity contributions, CACs. What we have to understand too as well from the other perspective is is they want return on investment, ROIs, and it's never enough. You know, we're talking CACs, how do we get more out of developers, but how do we how do we have our developers provide both CACs and affordable housing? I think because there are a lot of funds out there to be able to to work together and collaborate on on some mixed use in, in a lot of the developments that are happening. And uh, I think that would be a, a way to, uh, to look at it because it would be a win-win all around. I'm a renter. And you know what? I need to say this. At every election that's happened in Squamish, I've actually had to change my address every time because I've lived in different places. I've probably lived all through Squamish. This will actually be the first election I'm in the same house and I'm still renting though. It's just crazy when you think about it. So this hits me at home every day when I think about it because I still have, you know, my children living with me. I'm grateful for that. But my eldest daughter lives on her own in the city and she, you know, she's been renting for seven years herself and she always has to have roommates. You know, we can't ever afford anything on her own. So it's really kind of thinking about how we can collaborate together on on a lot of these issues. And Marcus, you talked to a lot of it being holistic, everything being interconnected. We're going back to to planning. What do you think or how well do you think we have done with our staff when it comes to planning in, in the District of Squamish? Um, I'm not the best on the history of the council staff. And I, I do know, you know enough, but at the same time, it's really coming from an athletic background. I'm a very high competitive athlete my whole life. I've traveled all over all over the world for soccer. And it's about putting the right team in place. And having that team knowing that when you know you can talk about what is our mission, what is our vision statement, what do we stand by and what do we stand for? Who do, what do I stand for? And what does our team stand for? And then you talk about climate action, we talk about green space and we talk about that affordability piece, but we talk about the environment piece. You know, it's really about making sure that we have all those perspectives. So I've actually looked even at the, the council elects right now. And it's like, you know, you're picking your team and you want to be able to know that you want to put that trust in in, in your team. And so it is talking about that planning committees, the staff at all levels, you know, our public works, everything. It's having that right team that has that vision to really push you forward and be able to really move things. 
we talk a lot about putting the right people in the room and mm-hmm. having the right teams and having that respectful dialogue and having those debates. Yeah. It, it makes for productive outcomes. But one of your competitors mm-hmm. is a part of a slate. They're openly running together mm-hmm. with the idea that there hasn't been enough cohesiveness on council in government's past and it's hindering the opportunities that, that are afoot. What's your thoughts with that? Um. <laughs> oh wow are we gonna record this <laughs> you can take a breath <laughs> no no um you know what i just feel like when there is a slate like that i always feel like um are they going to be louder are they going to be able to persuade the rest of that council right it's about having that right team in the same vision And we're not always going to have the same vision, but it's being able to put your best foot forward. And, you know, I know I can be a team player. And I want to say this, um, when we had the Wood Fiber LNG at our Squamish Nation Council, um, when we had to pass the IBA, uh, this was my thinking behind it. So my membership here in the Valley asked me to say no to that IBA. So I said no. We lost by one vote, right? I respected the table's decision. But then I said, and we were put in a whole committee in place for the whole wood fiber project. And I said, I want to be on the environmental team. I'm going to be on the land and the water. And I'm going to make sure everything's followed to the T or it's not happening. Right. And that was me inserting myself, even though I didn't get the outcome I needed. I made sure that I was going to have a say somewhere. And I was the only one that said no, that I was on that committee to make sure. And I, I was literally getting our, our, our land stewards, our water stewards, you know, our environmental monitors, you know, people that I knew I could trust, you know, doing those, you know, projects. And so I'm highly aware of the project, what's going on now. I have a great relationship with my Sea to Sky and I'm like always getting informed on the project right now. And there's a lot of concerns. And, you know, and I think about my community here and what's best for all of us, our safety. And I want to make sure that if this project goes through, you know, that we're doing the best that we can. And that if anything was to happen, that we have things in place. And so it's not always about who's actually at that table. It's about making sure that we all are heard and that we can put up a, a plan and process that we can all, you know, relate and to be able to coexist and work together. Yeah, LNG is, is, is great for a good tax injunction or, yeah. and, you know, in, into the community because Squamish leans more on property taxes than anything else. So, you know, LNG dumping in more tax money into the community is great as long as, like you said, they're safe and they're, and they're not polluting and they're not posing a danger. How else would you diversify the economy here? Do you have any plans to bring in industry or to, I don't know, get that injection uh, so we don't have to see that continual increase in property taxes? I just think it's about keeping our our businesses here so you're not traveling out. If we could create more uh, small businesses or keeping our small businesses here or expanding them even, uh, being able to, so you're not having to commute to Whistler or to Vancouver because that's what, you know, a lot of our community does do. And so if we can invest more in our businesses and our arts and cultures and our outdoor recreation here, I think if we can be able to stay local, work, live and play here, because once you step out of that, you add into that carbon footprint with you, with driving and all these other things. But you're keeping your economic development here if you work and live here. 
Like these people who who live here, I would say they're professionals. I mean, to afford the housing here, you, you need to be a certain level of income. How do you create an industry for them to be here and and stay here and also afford to live here? So, like, we're getting back to the whole affordability issue. Um, if we're going to push into tourism, you want to increase tourism. That means we need beds, uh, but then we also have the uh, short-term rental rental issue taking away from the rental pool. I mean, this is a big problem. I mean, where would you step in it first? I know it. And again, it comes back to our master plans. If, if we're going to talk about infrastructure and we're going to talk about those upgrades and stuff, because you want to entice people to stay here. Even I have to go somewhere else to go to a big wave pool for my kid because our pool hasn't been upgraded yet. And I know it's in the plans and then it's in the 10 year plan right now. Um, but being able to have things in place here already, um, because there is so much to do here. I mean, even I, and don't fully quote me on this, but I wouldn't have a gym pass because we have all these beautiful trails. I run them all the time. I've probably hit almost every trail through Squamish. You can see on my on my maps, on my run keeper, that I'll be like, I'll just take off a turn through the Ray Peters Trail and I'm going through different areas, you know? And I'm like, oh, wow, I just, I, I landed out here, right? And uh, I'm back by the airport or something. And, um, you know, and I'm always exploring. And so there's so many amazing things you can do in the outdoors. It's just, again, it's thinking outside those boxes to be able to, you know, things shouldn't cost you money. And and then also being able to really utilize our lands and resources that we do have here, because it is quite, you can almost do anything in a day here. You can go skiing, you can go kiteboarding, you can go mountain biking, you can go. Well, water access is an issue again, but anyway, yes. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yes, we're a little bit, but there is there, you know, there is some acts of water access that are going to be being created. You know, I have a great relationship with SUP and everybody. Um, I love paddleboarding. And uh, my friend Tina Curry, she's amazing. And uh, and it's really about, you know, there's other accesses. We just haven't been able to tap into them. And people don't know who they can talk to. I'm like, talk to me. I can help on this. And so there's ways we can all work together. And I know that having an Indigenous perspective can also help a lot at the table because it's a different perspective. Well, I, I know Stephen has, has taken over this question in the last couple of interviews, so I'm going to do it this time. Yeah. Um, it, it's the, the services agreement. I mean, the last time I think the District of Squamish had a service agreement with Squamish Nation was Greg Gardner. I guess you would have more of an insight. Why is there not one? And is that something, you know, that's obviously on your priority list to do? Um, it's a mission of mine. <laughs> Um, I, you know, it, it has a lot to do with the, you're talking about land again. And we have issues with CN Rail. We have, you know, there's reasons that we, the, our agreement since the Indian Act, why our nation lives. If you look where any of our villages are here, we're by a highway, we're by a train track. All our accesses are all by areas that have high, you know, even the power lines in Chiakamish. And there's something very industrial around us. And the CN Rail has had, a, we've, we've had the hardest situation with them. And so uh, the district and the nation, we're trying to do things together to be like, you know, offset from CN Rail or, or different lands. Like, let's work together on some things. All We've been do, talking and talking for many years and we still haven't been able to and it comes back to this trust thing and it all comes through the indian act and you know it's not even even at the local level they say it's provincial it's federal and so it's not local and so we need to change that perspective again and say well let's pave the way it's that intergovernmental accord piece having an agreement of hey this is what we can expect of 
district of the Squamish Nation. The Squamish Nation, the same of the district of Squamish. So everybody understands what that expectation is. I think that's almost a foundational piece with respect to a services agreement. Mm-hmm. Yet we've been hearing this and it rings hollow for election after election after election. Our elected officials continually put this to the back burner and we don't have that agreement. And for me, the Squamish Nation is one of the biggest, and you've said it yourself, mm-hmm. is one of the biggest landowners here in Squamish. Why you wouldn't have this agreement in place so that you have a working partnership mm-hmm. is beyond me. It, it, so it, it continually frustrates me because as it should with organizations such as Sorca and otherwise, they have a memorandum of understanding. Yes. They're making this known. But I was saying this eight years ago. Yeah, You better be careful because there's an issue here in land where it is only so much of it. If you don't start to foster those those relationships holistically, you're going to have a problem later on. Yeah. And I feel like uh, as a Squamish Nation member, as a, a, a former counselor, I feel like I could really bring the two together, get those our councils and our, and our district together and be able to have serious, healthy dialogue. We can get through this and we can be trailblazers for other communities and towns. And I just think, you know, I, I was a big part of the Sorka MOU and it was amazing to know that we created this partnership. We created a mountain bike team with our Squamish Nation and Sorka. Uh, they taught our, our youth in our community to build trails, fix trails, and that huge environmental piece within it too, and also being able to rename some of the trails and stuff. And I mean, I've read the the Sorka MOU. It's it's a big file, but it was amazing, and it you know it took over five years to fully get it done. The whole four years that I was on term, we worked on it. And Sorka was, they called me up right away that, like, hey, you live in Squamish, like, let's work together. Who do we talk to? And that was me saying, I know who you need to talk to. You need to talk to people in our rights and title. And it's about, you know, and got those guys in the room and we talked about it, you know, and, uh, and being able to say that we are utilizing our lands is huge for our nation members. But it's so important for our everyone that lives in this town to know where these trails are and how to take care of them. And I always say, if you know what's in your backyard, you'll take care of it. And there's so many resources that are there with medicinal, edible and things. And it's just so amazing, and especially our wildlife, respecting our wildlife. And there's all, all those little pieces that were in that Sorka MOU that was is very crucial. And we could do that for lots of different associations through Squamish. I think about the Black Test Snowmobile Club and everybody. Like we could be doing a lot of things and it's about having that insider look. And I have actually talked to the district about, and, and I've get asked this a lot about conflict of interest as me being a Squamish Nation member and uh, about you know things that would be coming to the table because things would I could benefit from as a Squamish Nation member. And so it's how do you, you know, I've had to deal with it a lot with our Squamish Council when you're dealing with different villages. They're like, oh, my uncle lives there, so I have to recuse myself. And uh, But there's things that wouldn't be- benefit me directly that I could be of a big influence on unshedding light on and being able to have great dialogue about. And, you know, I feel like, you know, because I've lived here 
because I was taught by my grandfather of our history. That was my job to learn our history here. And my grandfather was a logger here his whole life. He was a boomer. And how many people can say that he would canoe from Stotmas all the way up to the Squamish Valley every morning at five in the morning? This is in the 30s and 40s. And he would canoe up there in his canoe and he would fall a tree and fall it all the way down the river, the Squamish River, and go boom it. That was what he would do every day. And it's just amazing to know that, like, you know, in our day and age, in our time, that that's how we got around. Our rivers and our and the ocean were our highways. And that's how my grandfather got around. And every weekend they'd go to canoe races and kick butt at these canoe races because they was like, I paddle up river every day, you know. And so it's just amazing history. And I, I can tell you, me and Eric Anderson have wonderful conversations of the big logging town here in Squamish. And, you know, I just love, you know, our, our conversations with him. And, you know, because he's such a historian and stuff. That man has a mind of a steel trap. Yeah. He was reminding me of conversations we had four years ago. And I'm like, uh, I don't even remember what I had for breakfast, but thanks. Uh, do we want to go to the rapid fire segment now? Ooh. Yeah. Or you got you, one more big question? Wanted, well, I was what I was going to touch on was just the interconnectivity of both infrastructure and amenities. We've talked a lot about planning, but you and I, as homeowners in the District of Squamish, our taxes continually go up year over year. Mr. Eric Anderson reminded us that near 60% of our mm-hmm. annual budget is from homeowner taxation. We talk about things like a parkade. We talk about things like changing and planning. And these things take money. How do you propose or to broach those issues without having the coffers or the land to be able to do that? Yeah. I'm wondering if there's ways um, you're talking with the province and, and the federal government about those upgrades and, you know, add into our our annual budgets every year because we are getting to that capstone of capacity in Squamish, like we're busting it. And so that means more money from the government. So it's really looking at those stamps because, we, you know, our populations in 2024 will be at 24,000, I think, roughly around there. And so we're, we're hitting it. It's still booming past that, right? And so it's really about getting the right people to uh, be able to work on those budgets. It's all about budgets with the federal government. So it's making those connections and those liaisons. And I guess, you know, with your time at Squamish Nation, you have those connections and you know who to talk to to get, hey, uh, can you open up those coffers? That'd be awesome. Something like that. Yeah. <laughs> well, we we know that a lot of the money comes from federal and provincial grants. Yes. Mm-hmm. And this leads me to my next question, which is, do you think we as a district of Squamish have been doing a good enough job lobbying the federal government for that money because there's a lot of people out there there's a, every city's probably in a similar circumstance and they want some free money or they want that money it's not free it's coming from us everybody's paying yeah. into that pool. just from a different tax bank but just from a different tax bank i can tell you i wouldn't be afraid to ask i had to ask uh, our safety and planning uh our uh minister <laughs> asking for a billion dollars for that barrier i was talking about i'm like i need one billion dollars <laughs> me and patty heinzman went over there to victoria to ask him and it was a little it was awesome i'm 
not afraid to ask. Um, it's about being assertive and inserting yourself. And, you know, I, when I worked for the Squamish Volunteer Center, and one of my jobs was we were beautifying Squamish, and there was that old gas station that was right across from Mount Burger House, and that fence that's there. We got, uh, I got local businesses. I'd go to all the businesses and say, hey, do you want to get your name on a plaque and, you know, donate to this fence so we can beautify it? And then the price of the, you know, the, the money they gave was a bigger plaque that they got. And then I would come in and uh, I'd go, I got some money. And this was 20 something years ago, 25 years ago. Oh my God, I'm dating how old I am right now. But uh, I would be like, I got some money. And then we actually would, got, we went to Carney's Waste and we had, um, they donated all this wood to us. And then we got uh, some carpenters to volunteer their time and make silhouettes of rafters, soccer players, baseball players, all the different sports and outdoor recreational sports. And then we got, we had a, at the Brackendale Fall Fair, we actually got all the kids that would show up at there and they were painted the silhouette and then all, and then tons of fish. And so we had all these salmon and everything. And so we beautified the fence. And then we had Quest University students actually uh, put the plaques and, you know, put them on the fence. So everything was volunteer. And so from a very young age, I've been, I have not been afraid to ask for money. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> you got, hey, sometimes you got to be forthwith. I mean, especially with government. Can I have it? What are they going to say? No. Well, that's, that's the worst thing they can I mean, say. It's not like. No, no. but when you give them the statistics of yeah. like how we are breaching capacity and then we need these infrastructure dollars yeah. and, and things like that, you know, when you show them like the price of everything that we actually need in the tax bracket that we do pay, I would not be afraid to ask if you show them the numbers, they won't lie. Well, yeah, I mean, that's what the census is for. We were one of the largest and fastest growing communities in all of Canada. So that needs to be recognized. And I personally believe we need to do a better job of leveraging that Mm -hmm. with the federal and provincial governments for those monies, for those grant monies, for infrastructure and amenities. Not that I'm saying previous councils to date have done a bad. I actually would personally say the opposite. They put the consultations and the right reports into place to the provincial government so that we can get some of that money. I wanted to mention um, with Truth and Reconciliation, you know, when I talked about that Squamish Nation's the largest landowners in Squamish, one of them, I don't know who they all are, but but what I was going to say was there's ways that we can work together with the government to say this is an undrip issue. You know, there's so much money and then truth and reconciliation monies that when you look at all the lands that is spread out through this whole town, we can get stuff for transportation through those dollars. We could get money for infrastructure. We don't even have drinking water in Chiakamish right now. How is that okay? We're going on all these things and so there's money out there and there's just ways that we as the district and the nation could be working together but also be working with the provincial and federal government to address those and it would be win-win for all of us and the biggest one would be that extra access through the CN rail on the other side of government road. I just think that there's so many ways that we can problem solve together and and there, these are easy fixes, and it's about funneling where this money's coming from. And I feel like I can really help navigate through that. 
All right, so let's uh, let's do some rapid fire. I know we, with some of these rapid fire questions, we we kind of touched on it in our discussion, but and then it's just basically you know your elevator pitches, or when someone asks you a question in a in a meeting and you don't have like half an hour to expound on it. I think the first one we talked about was the densification downtown. Are we we freezing that, or are we need more planning? What do you, what do you think about densification? You already said yes to parkade. Yeah, I said yes to parkade. I did say that we should be more on planning, like you know, really defining those neighborhoods and being able to really actually safe sprawl let's say of some densification and then some that uh, you do you don't even touch and i'll hold on some of those areas so because means, they need more planning so you're talking about possible rezoning yes rezoning and also being able to actually have a proper uh, analysis of certain areas because a lot of our areas have not been defined and so how do you say you know you're going to have you know huge densification somewhere when you, there wasn't any proper assessment there so, you know, we really have to look at that. Uh, the access in out of town. I know there's a plan in place to put it together, but is it ever going to see the light of day? <laughs> yes, I believe we need it. It has to happen. It has to happen. I'll tell you something super funny. My nine-year-old, this was just last month and it was hilarious because she knows I'm running for mayor. And I said, oh my God, the traffic, I can't get through here at certain times of the day. And she goes, move then. And I said, I can't even get you to move schools. Like, what makes you think I'm going to move out of this town? It would never be an option. I ain't going anywhere. This is my community. And I and then so that's why I know that I need to come up with solutions. And I knew I needed to put my best foot forward because I know that I, I don't like saying that word. I know I, my grandpa said, you know, your college degrees, you know, nothing. But <laughs> it's about actually just feeling what the community and hearing what the community yeah. have, will keep keep saying that it isn't necessary. You've been hearing about the arts community about building a whole new art center. I know there's a lot of pressure to uh, obviously add a second ice sheet to uh, Brennan Park. Uh, there is to expand the pool, splash pad, art center. Is that feasible in the four, next four years? You know, I just thought the splash park was hilarious. Just so, and I want people to know this because you could just go outside. 190 days of the year, it's wet, and I go to the the splash park in Whistler on a hot summer day, and you're still gonna be freezing. You, you go you go in and you come out, and you're not in there for the rest of the day. I mean. It's not something that is necessary when we need proper access, another access into Squamish and whole new upgrades to our, our rec center, especially the new sheet of ice and things like that. Um, there's other ways that we could be making a whole new sportsplex and, you know, having indoor facilities because we need more indoor facilities because if you build it, people will come and they will pay. And we have a huge, amazing sports programs here in Squamish and we need to really hone in on those things. So it's like really invest in in our wealth our wellness if you're healthy within your community is healthy so we need to do more with mental health we need to do more with sports and recreation and outdoor recreation because i guarantee you i it was like why are you so happy i'm, I'm outside all the time <laughs> well i'm going to push the arts because yeah. uh you okay, know we yeah. have we have the one theater the eagle eye theater in the high school and yes. there are so many dance groups here so many dance schools here i have an art school we need we need a facility so i'm going to put yes sports you guys are both sport people sporty. But I love arts. <laughs> I am a performer. My first job was working in a theater, by the Are way. Are we getting to like just pump and push what we want to push <laughs> yeah, right now? I'm doing if, I, if, I can get in, if I can get in on a second I'm doing ice that. rank right now no, in, no. in an upgraded facility no. where we have a gym at a recreational, I might, I've never seen the inside There's of the gym because it's gyms. nowhere near where I go. There's yeah, already no. 18,000 other Every other recreation complex in any other city smaller even than ours has gyms 
weight lifting facilities, dude. You know, with their rink and their pool, dude. We don't. There's gyms all over town. Anyway, moving on. So <laughs> the arts. I want to get back to that because it's very is very important to me. My my daughter's an artist. Both my daughters are amazing artists in their own rights. One does gymnastics and dance, and the other one, and she does kickboxing. She's an amazing kickboxer. She works at the sound. Back to sports. And that I know. Sorry, that's sports, but <laughs> but she does dance and stuff too. And but my eldest daughter, she's back into the arts. She's she actually majored in English. She's a writer and a poet, and she actually designed a shirt for Talese Tours, and it said it had a. Uh, it said going back to our matriarchal systems and in our Squamish culture, our, our women were our matriarchs. They were our governance. And she says, it's, it's fitting that you're running for mayor because this was our way. And uh, so my community is very excited for this. It's not the same teachings in different cultures about our women uh, in society, but it was our women in governance. And it was actually specifically our wool weavers that were our governance because they brought prestige and wealth to our communities and I'm a master wool weaver and she put it on the back and I'm a, I'm a, on the photo on the back and I'm in my cedar regalia and I've, you've probably seen my photo around town with this cedar regalia on and my eldest daughter who's going to be a quarter of a century this year she wrote this like she designed this and on the front is as it has a heart and it's a cedar woven basket design and it's amazing and uh so she she has amazing messages and my whole thing is if when you come into squamish where do you go to see the arts where do you go to learn the history my point exactly where do you go for people to gather in in a larger group because right now the eagle eye is small it's not the biggest, right? And we have this amazing, talented artists that come from Squamish, singers, theater majors. Could we, if we could just let people be and like write these plays and perform them at House Sound Secondary School? I've watched so many of their plays that they have and the monologues we've had. And I really do believe that it's a healthy release and it's about being true to yourself and your craft. And that's again, that's something that you can keep our people here in our community and doing the crafts that they love so I really think that we should invest in those arts because again that's it's healthy it's wellness and it's and it's a business as well we'll keep moving on Garibaldi Estates densification yeah so I went on the tour and they brought actually council and I actually sat with Jill Dunnigan. I met with her at first at Cloudburst to talk about it. She showed me the, the whole area. She showed me some maps. She said how she gave me a big history lesson on how she's gone to council many times and, and how all these things. They've had some actual community um, conversations with council and the community there. And it's called the VLA Lens. And so they told us all about the whole history. And you know what? I used to play there when I was a kid. I grew up. I went to Mamquam Elementary School. I used to say Mamquam. And my grandpa would go, Mamquam. And he goes, that's Mamquam. It means swampy lands. This is marsh area. And he said it was so great. All um, from right from Kautain. This is this village here. Is when we're talking about the VLA lands, it's called Kautain. All the way to CHM where the watershed grill is. This was all farming land back in the day. And so we always knew that's what it was meant for. And so it makes sense that they're all amazing gardens that they have here. I remember playing on the drink the Dranka lands, eating their apples and with, at their, with their horses and stuff as a kid. And you know what? My childhood was here. 
we used to play we had forts where london drugs is right now <laughs> and so that was my playground in the back and you know going over the, the that you know the overpass to Malcolm school I have special ties to this whole area because that was my whole childhood I lived in the the Garibaldi states my whole life as a child and so I related so much with with everybody there and so and they said that they never had a proper neighborhood plan and that's where I learned that from and so it was really important that they get heard at at some table to really be a part of that um, the solution to what's going to be happening there um, so I would say, you know, like until there is a proper plan, you know, uh, assessment of the area and things um, is before we can move forward in those areas. Chima. <laughs> What's happening with Chima? <laughs> <laughs> well, I know it's a hot topic. It is and, a very hot topic. And so I do know uh, with our Squamish Nation, we had uh, initially some lands there that we were trying to utilize. It didn't come to fusion and stuff. And so it was an area where, with our rights and title that we had a big problem with. I'm not sure if our Squamish Nation still occupies land there. And it's right beside Kitty Corner to, to the university and stuff as well. It's a very big, hot topic and uh, for my nation, but also for the community. And um, would, you, would you like to see de- uh, development there? I don't know if I do. I, I don't know enough about it to be like, I know that I go cedar harvesting up that area and it's got beautiful trees in that area. And the, I, I actually run through all the trails through there. And so for me personally, I wouldn't want to see it, anything done there. And again, I, I've learned from people up at, at uh, the Crumpet Woods in the backside of saying how the drainage isn't great. I've talked to a lot of people that live in the Valley Cliff area and saying that, again, that those areas are leaking and, and you know, it won't take much for it to all come down. And so to be able to protect those areas, uh, I don't think it's a great idea at all to build there. Uh, next one, I think you would have more uh, integral knowledge of what's going on at Garibaldi Esquamish than most. What would you say about developing there? Do we extend our borders? Do we extend services? Is that something that uh, you want to see for Squamish? So uh, I do know the Squamish Nation had a partnership uh, and, or do have a partnership with Garibaldi at Squamish. And I know that um, they were really trying to, I don't know if they can say that they were leaning, Garibaldi at Squamish leaned on our, our nation to be the kind of like oh you, you they're helping us and it's through a squamish nation lens um but it was really hard for me because our members here in the valley and that was one of the reasons i ran for council most of our population is in vancouver west van and north vancouver and only one third one fourth of our nation members live up here while everybody in the valley doesn't want Garibaldi at Squamish. Not everybody, but um, but majority. Cause we have trap lines there. I'm worried about uh, Broome Lake, um, where the wa- where they're getting their water from. I'm worried about the sewage going to go into our Chakmas River. I said, how are you guys talking to us about water and we don't have water? And she got, I literally said that to Garibaldi at Squamish. And they were like, well, maybe we can uh, work together and work something out. And I was like, but there was still not a solution there. And I've talked to um, the Black Tusk uh, snowmobile crew, and they're highly concerned about Brome Lake and how the parking that's at Brome Lake is, is it's parking that for a reason because they can't, they don't want the lake to be overused and 
and ruin that prestigious lake and that's why they've never expanded to the parking at Brome Lake I love that like my little girl it's her favorite lake and so there's really big issues um, with a lot of our local people with the project and I know for the SLRD they don't want to expand their boundaries you know to have it and then also the, the district of Squamish doesn't want to. I've been to some of the hearings on it because our Squamish Nation was a partner. I've went to district council and listened to all sides of what council said about the project. So um, I know on both sides, municipal and the Squamish Nation, I'm a, I feel like I'm in a hard, you know, hard place because um I, I, I am aware of the whole project and it's tough because some people say it's a land grab. Some people say it's a great opportunity. I go, we have four ski resorts in our Squamish Nation territory and we want a fifth one. And that's, that doesn't make sense to me. When we are the largest landowners around here, we could be doing better things. And so to not be able to expand our, our borders here. It doesn't fit for me, but again, I'm one voice uh, at that table to, you know, to talk to our council and be able to share, you know, my history of the project. You know, I'm kind of on both sides because it's tough because I have to respect my nation's decision and then also our municipal and really our Squamish members here as well. This is your opportunity. Where do people find you? Where where do they go to find out more information about all these big things that we've already discussed today? But if they want to dive more into who is Deanna Lewis, where do they find that information? So I have a few different areas. I I have a webpage that's in the works right now. I have stuff going on it already, but I didn't feel like it was authentically me. So I said, you know, I need to revamp it. I've been doing a lot myself. So it's been tough. I've been like my own financial agent. So I've been like fundraising for myself with my own family. You know, even my daughter gave me money for my campaign, which I thought was amazing. You know, she's just a powerhouse in her own right. But, um, you know, just saying that I wanted to keep my, my campaign small and I'm about people. So I've been out there every day. Uh, for like about three or four things a day and I and I'm not just talking to one or two people at a time I've been talking to big groups of people at once and so I've been talking with uh, I'm going to um, quest tonight uh, with the Sorka event I'm you know I'm just kind of being everywhere and everywhere and I'm approachable I'm like because I'm already in the community doing stuff I do land acknowledgments I was doing stuff to the Terry Fox run I did the I, I spoke at a prior event and it was the unofficial stuff I wasn't there campaigning you know at these events I was in the background you know and people like oh I heard you're running for mayor before the events I'm like yeah I am and it was it's about having that presence and you know what I I'm always downtown I'm at the farmer's market I'm I'm setting up some some meetings with different groups of people like I said like with the black test community I'm with I'm going to, I met with my Sea to Sky, went to some of their events. I, I've been really trying to get information from our members in our community of what matters to them and their issues. And I really want to be able to put when I'm speaking, I am being authentic to what our members in our, in our community want and want to see. And um, I did really want to say the, uh, the, one of the main reasons I'm running is because our indigenous community has never had a place at that table. We've never had a voice at that table and municipal government. And I went to an event um, in the city with Jody Wilson-Rabel and she said, we need more 
uh, indigenous people at heads of tables at the highest levels and go as high as you can go because as whoever's holding that pen is is teaching that history and if you have the right intentions while you're doing it you need to be there and insert yourself there and so and i and i thought about it and i said i have the right intentions i literally have on my my buttons that i have my pins that said the right person for the right reasons because i do want the best for all of us i think about everybody we have a beautiful place i've been saying this even as a teacher we live in a good time as people and how do we involve everybody on all lots of our decisions and it because it affects all of us and so i'm here for the right reasons and i and nothing's for self-gain it's about showing our children that if you have dreams you need to go do them if you have a voice you need to use it and then that's only for a good intention. And that was what was taught to me by my grandfather. We have a thing in our language. It says, Chen Kwanmentomia. It's saying, I'm, I'm a respectful person and I'm thankful that uh, I, when I'm speaking, I'm speaking on behalf of our people. And that means everybody in our community. It's not just my immediate family. And so I'm very careful with the words that I say. I'm very careful in our ceremonies. We would wear paint on our face and it's saying a reminder to us to only say good things and, and, you know, and be respectful that way. And so those are the intentions that I have for running for mayor. I'm a woman, I'm indigenous and I'm a, I'm a resident here my whole life and I ain't going anywhere. And so I really want the best for all of us. So social media is, what is the website? You said you had a website you're working on, but you didn't give me the address. So you can reach me at deannalewisformare.ca or on Facebook, Deanna Lewis. And my email is deannaformare at hotmail.com. And that's also where I'm, I'm, I'm having donations if you want to donate to the campaign as well. And um, I'm just really honored to be able to um, be able to s- sit with you both today and, and talk about this very important election. Well, listen, it's been absolutely amazing having you in here. Uh, Marcus, I think I speak for us both when we say best of luck. And I'm reaching out to a lot of our youth, educating people on how to vote. Our voting has been at 48% in the last election. And so how do we uh, get more people out to vote? And it is really empowering our young people, our new residents to Squamish, because people don't know how much their voices can be heard. I even made a TikTok, so you can find me on TikTok as well, (laughs) DLU10. And it's talking about to our youth itself to be able to know how to vote and that these things affect them. Well, thanks again for joining us. Thank you. Oh, Sam. This is the Sea to Sky podcast. If you have a comment or story ideas, please check out our website at seataskypodcast.com or on Facebook and Twitter at Sea to Sky podcast. Thank you for clicking us on. 